Skip the hassles of traffic aboard Amtrak and go from city to city easier than ever. With no middle seats, plenty of legroom, and fewer carbon emissions than driving, you can kick back, relax, and feel good about your travel choice. Plus, you'll stay connected along the way thanks to free Wi-Fi on board. So, take the easier, more sustainable route. Book your next trip on Amtrak today. Book in advance and save at Amtrak.com. Restrictions may apply. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. You are listening to The Overwhelmed Brain. Today's episode is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your legal shield associate, connect you to a legal insurance plan that's right for you. Quality attorneys at established law firms for about $20 a month. You gotta check it out. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. This is Paul Coliani, host of The Overwhelmed Brain, the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On this show, I discuss practical, down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. We'll talk about why we do the things we do and what we can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm. My goal is to help you become empowered so that you can create the life you want. Today's quick quote is by Eleanor Roosevelt from her book, This Is My Story. The quote is this, No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Thanks to Goodreads.com for providing the source of that quote. Feeling inferior comes from believing what other people say about you and not realizing the worth in yourself. Now the first one, believing what other people say about you, goes a lot deeper than just hearing someone tell you that you're terrible at something. Sometimes someone can say something that is completely untrue, you know it's untrue, and yet you still feel bad they said it. When you're in a place in yourself where you are confident in who you are and feel worthy of the things that you receive and deserve in life, then what people do or say to you will not affect you as much. You may still feel hurt, But one of the reasons you feel hurt may have to do with the possibility that you believe a little bit of what they're saying. I've come pretty far with this myself, but I'm still prone to getting hurt. In other words, people I love have said things to me that in the past would have hurt, but now their words don't hurt anymore. And the reason is because I simply don't believe what they're saying to be true. So what happens is they get surprised that I'm not reacting to what they said, They'll ask me, you aren't upset about what I said to you? And I'll answer, no, the only reason I'd be upset is if what you were saying was true. Since it's not, I have nothing to be upset about. They look puzzled when I say that. In fact, you should try that. The next time someone puts you down, whether you believe any part of what they're saying or not, just chuckle a little bit and don't respond. And then when they say, well, aren't you upset? You can tell them, Why would I be upset? It would only upset me if it were true, but I know it's not. (laughs) Now, if they really did hurt your feelings, maybe you should explore that inside of you and figure out why it hurts. Most of the time, you'll learn that you have some sort of insecurity that needs to be worked on. But I guarantee once you heal that insecurity or get over that fear, the words people say to you hurt less and less. I mean, it can still hurt for someone you love to say anything mean to you, but at least you can be in a place of confidence inside yourself to let specific negative comments about you 
just pass through you or even bounce right off of you. I once had someone close to me tell me how much of an idiot I was for doing something that they wouldn't do. I just laughed and they got confused. They said, you don't care I called you an idiot? I said, why would I care if you called me an idiot? I would only care if it were true. Since I know it's not, it doesn't bother me. Remember, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. This means that, really, it's up to you to feel bad or not. It's up to you to believe you are inferior or not. The more you believe it, the worse you feel. Now, not only does feeling inferior come from believing what other people say about you, but that feeling also comes from the self-worth that you developed as a child. Worthiness is very similar to what I just talked about. When you were growing up, you believed what your parents or caretakers said about you or to you. You believed you were stupid for spilling your drink or writing on the walls. The people that took care of us growing up didn't realize that their expression of inner frustrations had nothing to do with us and everything to do with their inability to express themselves productively. You've heard the mom yelling at her kid in the store saying things like, you're going to grow up and be an idiot just like your daddy. (laughs) Well, if you haven't heard that, you've heard something similar. I hear things like this all the time. Kids remember this stuff and they take it with them into the adult world, then wonder why they can't do anything right or hold a relationship or hold a job. It's because they developed low self-worth growing up. The people taking care of them must be right, right? After all, they're adults, so they must be guiding the children correctly. Unfortunately, the children believe almost everything that comes out of our mouth, so we have to be careful how we're raising them. We'll mess up for sure, but it's always good to keep this in mind about your children, if you have any, as they grow through the years. But what can you do when you're an adult with low self-worth? Well, I did an episode a while back called Building Self-Esteem and Self-Worth While Maintaining a Healthy Ego. And I highly recommend you listen to that if you want to start building that up again. Now for the quick fix, just ask yourself this. What am I that's not worthless? Come up with something. And then when you've answered that, ask it again. What else am I that's not worthless? What this does is help you change your focus on your worth. Not that false worthlessness that comes from believing other people. Also, let your ego kick in now and again and feel good about your accomplishments in life. And if you can't recall any accomplishments, then do something that will boost your confidence. In the episode I just mentioned, I talk about how getting a muscle car when I was younger really increased my confidence. It felt great, but I had to balance that confidence with how much my ego may have been inflating. Now, eventually I sold the car, but I kept the confidence. So building your self-esteem through inflating your ego is something I recommend, as counterproductive as that sounds. But go ahead and give that episode a listen to understand why I say that. Alright, today we're going to visit the ego and how building a healthy one will help us gain more confidence, less anxiety, and more motivation in life. Ego is thrown around many personal growth circles as something to avoid or let go of, yet I don't see it that way. Ego can be utilized in a healthy way to motivate and energize us into doing things that otherwise we might not pursue. Without ego, we might just let everything go and meditate on the mountain until someone feeds us. Now that might sound nice to some of you, but for me, I enjoy having my ego simply because it pushes me to learn, grow, and explore more of what's possible. Without it, I wouldn't have this show or the people I want in my life. Ego has driven me to thrive and evolve into more than what I am. That's where ego really becomes useful, when it drives you to exceed where you are in life right now. And by exceeding yourself, you evolve. But why evolve? Why not just sit there and be in Zen? 
There's nothing wrong with that at all. If you have the ability to do so and you're not concerned about leading others, leading others to help them evolve is part of your own experience of thriving. Don't you feel better when you help someone out and their life changes because of it? I mean, it feels good to do that, especially when you're not allowing your own personal boundaries to be crossed. I mean, when that happens, it doesn't feel good at all. But when you honor yourself at the same time you help someone else evolve, that's a great feeling. Seeing their smile or their expression of accomplishment is an amazing feeling. Sometimes it can even get us out of a down or a bad feeling state ourselves. I think that's why so many people love to watch children accomplish great things. You can see it in their face when they do something they've never done before and succeed at it. That's pretty cool to see anyone do. We are hypnotized by the success of others. We sometimes feel what they're feeling as if we succeeded in that very same thing. And when we help others achieve their goals, it can feel like we just achieved that same goal too. I realize not everyone is able to feel this way about helping others, but in general, when we help others, we help ourselves. It can be the smallest thing too. I remember watching the frustration in my coworker's face when she was trying to figure out something in Excel, a program on the computer. When I showed her how to do it, you could see her immediately become relaxed and release all the stress that had been building up. That made me feel good knowing that she now could do her work easily without trying to figure out exactly what the program wanted her to do. I felt good, which boosted my ego. And I suddenly felt smarter than I did before too. I took this feeling to the rest of my day and I let it motivate me. I felt smart, which made the day go faster and easier. Of course, there were days I felt like an idiot too, and those days just trudged on. But I've learned that whenever I need a boost of energy, I'll just help someone achieve a goal. It works most of the time and it puts me into a better mood. Helping others evolve helps you evolve, which brings us back to our ego. We could just let everything go and just sit in the park like the spiritual teacher Eckhart Tolle did many years ago. It took him years of being alone with little outside influence before he realized that he needed to write his book and spread his message of living in the present moment. His teachings are valuable and I listen to and watch him quite a bit. However, I'm not so keen on completely letting go of the ego. At the same time, I realize that my ego is the one talking here, which begs the question, if I didn't have my ego, would I care about losing my ego? <laughs> it's almost a paradoxical question, but an interesting one for sure. I believe that ego, when fed healthy programming, can be incredibly helpful on your journey. But it's like a scale you must always keep in balance. Too much weight on one side of the scale and the ego gets inflated, creating arrogance and cocksuredness. If the weight is too little and the scale gets unbalanced in the opposite direction, you lose motivation and even desire and passion, things that drive you to succeed and achieve bigger things for yourself in life. Now, Eckhart teaches that letting go of the ego altogether is a path to enlightenment, and I certainly don't disagree. Without ego, you are free from worry. But with it, you do worry. But you also experience all the other things I was just mentioning, like passion and drive and motivation. I realize this is a blanket statement that may not be true in all cases, but in my experience, it is absolutely true. I remember I was once terribly sick from food poisoning. I was in bed and I got up every 10 minutes to vomit or do something else that probably isn't appropriate to mention on the air right now, especially if you're eating, but there was a point where I was so sick, I thought I was going to die. And it was this moment where I lost all my worries about life. I had no worries about my bills, my job, my relationship problems, nothing. I was suddenly free of ego. I was so sick and what felt like near death that for the first time, I desired absolutely nothing. And I was completely in the present moment. In fact, I was even okay with dying. It wasn't a sad or unhappy place to be. On the contrary, it was the most peaceful I've ever felt in my life. 
That was the first time I felt what it was like to be completely free of my ego. I was lying on the bed, sick and nearly dead, or so it felt, and was happy. I don't even know if the word happy is appropriate because happy is fleeting and comes and goes. Maybe Zen is the more appropriate word. I felt as if I had absolutely no problems in life. Whether I lived or died didn't matter because I was peaceful. When my food sickness subsided and I started feeling physically better, I slowly returned to life as I once knew it. Bills, a job, relationship problems, my fears and insecurities about the world, and everything else that came with my life before I got sick. This was a real eye-opener for me because I thought I would be able to keep that feeling I had at the pinnacle of my sickness. I thought I was a changed man. (laughs) And then when my sickness went away, my ego came back and suddenly I was awash in all my problems again. It was then that I realized that ego is powerful and can certainly drag me down when it's present. I thought, Having ego is not what I want. I better learn to let it go. And then a few years later, I was broke and standing in line at a soup kitchen. And truthfully, I was feeling pretty peaceful. By that point, I had let go of most of my possessions and then soon had no money. I'm not saying my journey to letting go of ego actually created that scenario, as there were other factors involved there, but being in that place with little ego to bring me down was actually quite peaceful. Now, at the same time, it was also living on handouts under the roof of other people. Still, it was peaceful. Not having ego allowed me to be worry-free and be okay relying on others to take care of me. This was peaceful, but it did occur to me that the people helping me weren't doing so to help me stay where I am. They were doing it so that I would be empowered enough to move out and up into the world again. It took a few months of standing in line at the soup kitchen and then being part of the state welfare system before I decided to invite ego back into my life and do something with my life. I remember the day I said, I don't care what it takes. I'm going to make money and get out of this hole I'm in. That was when I decided to take any job that came along just to make an income. And eventually I was making money. I was married at the time, so I was making money for the both of us. And we moved out of our family's home and we got our own place. And then since then, I've been driven. And driven is where I've been ever since. I like having that driven feeling because it motivates me and it gives me purpose. I now do more and work harder than ever to make things happen in my life Not because I'm desperate, but positively motivated to make a better life for myself. This happened when I regained my ego and learned how to feed it in a healthy way. And that's what I want to talk about today. Feeding your ego so that you can be motivated and take charge of your life instead of letting life just happen around you. Ego is not a bad thing. It's just a tool that can be utilized in a healthy way or misused causing many problems in life. So let's evolve the ego so that some of the fears and insecurities in life simply disappear. I once defined ego as the desire to include yourself in the experiences of life. In other words, who you are and what you mean to yourself matter. You have an interest in you while going through your everyday experiences. You want to enjoy yourself. You don't want to be uncomfortable. You want to feel good, not bad. These wants originate from the ego's desire to include you in the experiences of life. Whenever you have any thoughts or behavior where you want need, or desire, that is ego. And what I want to talk about today is how to evolve utilizing ego to do so. If you're trying to let go of the ego, then maybe this episode isn't for you. If, however, you want to be more 
passionate and driven, then don't touch that dial. Like I said earlier, ego can be inflated in an unhealthy way or built up to benefit us in ways you may not realize. With a healthy ego, you can stand up for yourself, honoring your personal boundaries. You can also diminish insecurities. You can go after opportunities with authentic confidence and not hidden fears. The construction of a healthy ego will benefit you if you know where the tipping point is. So maybe the first thing we need to talk about is how to recognize when you're about to reach that tipping point so you don't get into an unhealthy place. The way you know your ego has gone beyond the tipping point is when you feel little empathy and compassion towards others. When someone gets hurt and it doesn't phase you, you either don't like the person and don't care, don't have the capacity to be compassionate, or you have an inflated ego. You may not like the person, but I'm willing to bet that even people you don't like who go through extreme suffering, you still feel just a little bad for. And if you don't, it doesn't mean you're an awful person. It just means that their pain and suffering doesn't affect you. The reason it doesn't affect you is what's in question. You have either dropped ego and are at peace with everything and are just allowing the world to be, or have an inflated ego and don't really care about the health and welfare of others. Compassion is the opposite of ego. Compassion is caring about others where ego is about caring about self. So does it make sense that you'd want to equalize or balance both ego and compassion? Meaning, the more you care about others, the more you need to care about yourself. Compassion is on the opposite end of the scale that keeps you balanced in this department. When your ego inflates, your compassion tends to deflate. And the same is true when your compassion inflates, as odd as that sounds. (laughs) Here's the thing. Compassion works two ways and must stay balanced. The first way, you are compassionate towards others. The second way is when you are compassionate towards yourself as much as you would be compassionate towards others, if not more. What typically happens directly relates to our next talking point, and that's this. When you have more compassion towards others than yourself, you will degrade and they will prosper. I realize this sounds counterintuitive because it feels like we're supposed to be compassionate towards everyone as much as we can be. And by showing more compassion to others than we would ourselves, we are somehow noble. But how long can this unbalance of compassion last? This unbalance creates dysfunction and eventually wears you down. By showing more compassion towards others than you do yourself, you develop personal boundary issues and other behaviors that are not empowering. What starts off feeling good and like the right thing, over time, completely de-energizes you. For example, I was a yes person for so long. I would say yes to anyone whenever they needed help. This sounds like I'm being a nice guy and just being helpful. And whether that's true or not, what's happening inside of me is a different story. I'm saying yes to people out of fear. One of my fears used to be that someone wouldn't like me if I didn't do what they wanted or asked me to do. I was not compassionate enough with myself to give myself what I needed at that time. I instead gave to others what they needed. And over the years, I would lose friends and relationships because all I did was give. Their friendships wore me out. I chose to only please others, not myself. I was insecure. I felt like if I pleased others, it would give me what I want in life. So I was hoping that my actions would cause them to treat me the same way. You know the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, I would do so much for others, but never felt it was being reciprocated. In reality, I was not doing unto me. (laughs) Whether they reciprocated or not really wasn't the point. The point was that I allowed people to cross my personal boundaries. They didn't know they were crossing my boundaries because I didn't tell them. I just allowed them to take up my time and energy when I really didn't want them to. So wouldn't it make sense to just say, 
No, I can't help with that. Sorry. The answer is yes, it would make sense. But many of us don't do that. And this is where ego comes in, but maybe not in the way you think. A deflated ego is also a lack of confidence and self-assuredness. When you lack confidence in yourself, you worry about what people think about you and you don't take steps that might increase your potential. When you boost your ego, you boost your confidence. When you have an increase in confidence, you don't have to worry so much about saying no to others because you're confident about what you want for yourself. Does that make sense? When I was a people pleaser, my deflated ego would allow people to take advantage of me and walk all over me if they wanted. But when I increased my confidence, I started to balance the amount of people pleasing between pleasing others and pleasing myself. Well, actually, I went to the other end of the spectrum for a while and just started <laughs> ignoring everyone else and only taking care of myself. But that's what can happen when we finally move out of a dysfunctional space. We tend to move to the opposite end of the spectrum. People pleasers end up being mean to other people. Compassionate people end up not caring about anyone. Not always, of course, but it can happen. When you get so sick of being one way, you go to the opposite end and become a completely different person. It's helpful to remember balance so that when you do get to the point of having had enough, you wean yourself off the way you used to be and slowly make your way to a more level space. In other words, if you're a people pleaser now, start saying no in tiny increments. Think of those no's as stepping stones. One little accomplishment leads to the next, and soon you find the right balance of being compassionate and helpful towards yourself just as you are towards others. But let's return to the healthy buildup of ego and figure out ways to do it that keeps us balanced and not tipping the scale too far. I believe in building the ego in a healthy way. But what is healthy? Well, it's going to sound like common sense, but let me share some examples. In a previous episode, I told the story of getting a muscle car when I was in high school. Back then, I was not confident in myself. I was extremely shy around girls, and I felt like an outcast. I wasn't a jock nor an honor student. I had long hair, and I rode a skateboard every day after school. But one day, I got a muscle car. It was a 1969 Mercury Cougar. I realized it wasn't exactly a muscle car, but compared to my AMC Hornet, it was a Ferrari. The first day I drove it to school, I got so many looks. I had girls look at me that never did before, and then throughout the day, I had people coming up to me commenting about the car. They were impressed. It felt really good to be the center of attention in a good way for once. This boosted my ego and my confidence at the same time. I didn't become arrogant, however. I just became more passionate about life. I didn't let my ego become unbalanced either. In fact, the ego scale was tipped so far on the deflation side before that, that boosting it actually put it into balance, if that makes sense. That car changed my entire life. From that point on, I felt like I had more purpose and more confidence to do anything I put my mind to. Another example of building the ego in a healthy way had to do with my four years in ballroom dancing. I was always sort of a perfectionist, so anything I did in life, I would get really good at it, perfecting it until I covered every detail. When I learned to ballroom dance, I studied the techniques and I paid for lessons. I watched videos at home and I perfected it as well as I could. Then when my girlfriend and I went out for a night of dancing, Many eyes were on us. It felt great. Again, I was the center of attention in a good way. People would come up to us and give us the biggest compliments. It was a boost in ego without an overinflation of ego. The way I balanced ego as I was inflating it was staying compassionate towards others. 
I would treat everyone as equal to me and be compassionate towards them. This always keeps ego in check. Remembering that everyone is an equal to me, regardless of intelligence, finances, or their title at work or their living situation, that's what keeps my ego in check. When you can see that the person begging for change on the street or the one driving in a Rolls Royce as equal to you, you keep a balanced and healthy ego. Another example of building a healthy ego is the acceptance of compliments and gifts. I've met quite a few overly compassionate people who refused to accept compliments or gifts or did so with reluctance. Why? Why deny someone the satisfaction of enjoying the process of giving you a gift? It sounds harsh, I know, but when I give a gift or a compliment, I'd love for the other person to go, really? Wow, thank you so much. This means a lot to me. Instead of, oh no, I can't accept this. Or, really? I don't think I'm beautiful. When someone says, thank you so much, this means a lot to me. I feel good knowing that my gift was received and enjoyed. I recommend you say that too, even if you don't want to. One of the first steps to a healthy ego is accepting gifts because you really want them and accepting compliments because the other person really believes them. When you accept a gift, act like you really want it, even if you don't. I know this sounds a tad deceptive, but think about it this way. Regardless of what the gift is, just the fact that someone took their time and energy to get you one is what you can be grateful for. Remember the saying, it's the thought that counts. I would even revamp it to say, it's the intention that counts. Now, the second part about accepting compliments is just as important, but for a different reason. The other person believes what they are saying to you. Have you ever had anyone compliment you about anything? I'm sure you have, but if you haven't, you might need a few new friends because the people you're hanging out with must have issues. <laughs> but when you get a compliment, do you tend to say, oh no, that's not true, or oh, you're just seeing through the eyes of love? Those words are an immediate invalidation of yourself and the beliefs of the other person complimenting you. In fact, I don't see any value in disagreeing with a compliment someone gives to you, even when you know it's not true. For the longest time, I was not comfortable about certain features of my body. Almost all of us have a feature or two on our body that we think could be improved in some way, thanks to TV and magazines. <laughs> anyway, I really had a hang-up about particular areas of my body, and when I received compliments about those areas... I would just think they were being nice. I would say things like, Oh, you're just saying that because you love me. I wouldn't believe what they were saying, so I'd invalidate their kindness and make myself feel bad, reminding myself how untrue their statement was. But only a few years ago, I decided to believe the compliments people were giving me. After all, it's their belief, not mine. So how could I tell them what they believe is untrue, especially when it comes to something so subjective about how someone looks. That's like telling someone that the person they married who they think is beautiful is really not pretty at all. <laughs> they would look at you like you were crazy, or maybe they'd be mad at you or yell at you or worse. Either way, we don't define subjective observation for other people. So we have to believe what they say when they compliment us. I mean, that's true, right? So when someone compliments you, thank them. Now what this does, or at least starts to do, is start building your confidence and belief in yourself. When you say thank you and really believe what others are saying, it's sort of like what affirmations are supposed to do for us. Except these affirmations are coming from other people. We're told that repeating affirmations to ourselves will drill a new belief into our subconscious minds until we no longer think that we're lying to ourselves. However, compliments that we are given are sort of like affirmations, except that they are coming from a different person. 
And I bet most of us would be more prone to believe a compliment from someone else than we would from ourselves. So self-affirmations could work after a long stretch of time, but compliments or externally originated affirmations about us have the ability to change how we feel about ourselves much faster. Believe the compliments and accept the gifts, and then you're reaffirming your worth. The more you do this, the more healthy your ego will grow. Now, the opposite can happen too. If you believe the negative comments that people say about you, your ego and confidence could diminish. But this one's easy. All you have to do is remember that whenever someone says anything hurtful to you, it's never about you. It's about them. The only reason someone would want to say something hurtful about you is to fulfill an insecurity in themselves. It's a power trip. Once they know you feel bad, it makes them feel good. Their hurtful comments are a way to build their own ego in an unhealthy way. This will happen if you go this route yourself. If you choose to build your ego by putting others down, which is definitely not showing compassion, then you are setting yourself up for self-sabotage. All those hurtful comments about others builds up a false confidence in yourself. And soon you're on top of a house of cards that could topple at any time. Just remember, the hurtful things others say about you only reveals what is in them that needs healing, not what's in you. Evolving the ego will help some of the fears and insecurities in life disappear. In fact, think about something you're afraid of right now. Think about the fear you have about the thing you're afraid of. Do you have something in mind? Now, what is causing that fear? Is it something that happened in the past? Is it something you're worried about in the future? Were you afraid of this thing or something like it? Before, did something happen to you that made you afraid of it? And when you think of this thing that you're afraid of or have some fear about, here's what I want you to do. Think about the moment you would feel the most fear and imagine what you might need in that moment to conquer your fear. For example, I'll play this game right now. I still have small fears that I won't make enough money to be a good provider for my loved ones, even though in my head and heart, I do believe that I would never put me or them in a situation where money would disappear from our lives. However, if I'm really honest, I do feel that there is some fear about that inside of me. So now I'll imagine the moment that the fear would be realized. I think the moment would be when I look at my bank account and I have less than a hundred dollars in it. I think in that moment, fear would strike me most. Now, now that I have that fear, I'm going to imagine what I would need to conquer it. Now, notice that I'm not imagining what I would need to resolve the problem. I'm imagining what I would need to conquer the fear. Do you understand the difference? For me, what would conquer my fear is the knowing that I would find a second job to support us if my bank balance ever got that low. I know that providing for my loved ones is so important to me that I'd make sure that money kept coming in no matter what. So the fear of not having enough money kind of goes away because I'm imagining what I would need to no longer feel the fear. I'm not telling myself that I would just need more money because that's a result of my actions. I'm imagining what it would take to no longer be fearful. For me, it would take knowledge. It would take knowing I would never let it happen. This knowing drives me and even gives me an incentive to move into that direction even now so I never even get close to being broke again. The question I ask myself is, what would I need to conquer the fear of being broke? 
And the answer I come up with is that undeniably, I will never go broke again, even if I have to shovel ditches all day. And knowing that this is exactly what I would do, it helps alleviate the fear. Now, I could go further and imagine a fear of not finding a job when I'm broke, but doing that is a path to anxiety. Why would I want to continue imagining failure after failure? All right, let me rewind a bit because I do often talk about imagining the worst case scenario. But that's different because you are jumping to the very worst possible thing that could happen and discovering how bad it could possibly get. And doing that makes everything before that seem not so bad. But when you imagine what you fear and think about surpassing that fear, you feel better. But when you think, but what if it gets worse than that? Then you start building up anxiety. You've already conquered the first obstacle in your head. And for all you know, that might be the very last obstacle that you need to worry about. But anxiety builds by continually examining how it could get worse and worse. It's the ramping up of bad feelings. My point with imagining the worst case scenario is to jump to the very end on the very worst thing that could happen to avoid thinking about each and every scenario that could happen in between, if that makes sense. It's the buildup of what's next and what's after that that creates anxiety. If you can conquer the first problem you think of, then you can feel good until you hit another problem, if you even do. I realize that anxiety isn't that easy to conquer, but there is a little trick I learned about how to get beyond anxiety during the training I had many years ago, and it's this. And just a note, you're going to be a bit confused in this segment, but that's perfectly normal. Think of something you're anxious about. And when you have that in mind, imagine what it would be like when, after you've successfully surpassed what you were originally worried about, you think back about how anxious you once were. And when you think about how anxious you used to be before that success, do you remember the moment you realized that your old anxiety was pointless to begin with? And tomorrow, when you think about yesterday's anxiety being a thing of the past, does it surprise you and make you feel good knowing that yesterday you had concerns about something that suddenly disappeared now? And imagining what it's like right now to be free of that old feeling you don't have anymore, you can know that the next time that old feeling starts to come back, you can decide to look beyond the successful completion of that event, remembering to turn around and laugh because it turns out it's not so bad after all. Okay, return to the present moment here with me and remember that today is the successful completion of yesterday. You are here now and you will be here tomorrow when it is once again today. And you can bring any good feelings with you into every tomorrow you have. Our fears and insecurities are windows to what makes up our foundation. If you look hard enough, you'll figure out what those fears are and soon not let them run your life anymore. But remember that fear is a roadmap to confidence. Without fear, we could not become more assertive and more passionate because we would not have the drive to do so. I think a good goal is to live life fearlessly, but I also think it's good to keep some fear just to have something that keeps you aware and alert. You don't want to be so confident that you'll never fail because then you'll never try. Like if you know you'll never be sick, broke, hungry, or alone, then would you even try to stay healthy, make money, get food, or find companionship? I think that's a drawback with a lot of people's thought processes. Many people do live a little too fearlessly. 
They think it's okay to eat unhealthy and never save any money because they don't fear what can happen. It's a great place to be in your mind, but in reality, it catches up to you. Living fearlessly works well when you are unnecessarily worried about something like public speaking, but not so well when you smoke two packs a day. Fear is a great motivator of change, so use it when you think you need it most in your life. I know it's no fun to be fearful of anything, but when it encourages you to take care of yourself instead of doing anything you want because you feel like it, you'll find new ways to feel good and create positive changes. Once the fear is no longer needed, however, you can let it go. It's okay to feel the fear as long as it is driving you in a good direction. And when you no longer want to feel that fear, then do something that moves you towards accomplishment. Accomplishment squashes fear. Wash the dishes, paint a table, finish that project, something. Do anything that you get to complete to show yourself that you can start and finish things. But now I'm really way off topic. <laughs> so let's finish today's episode with the last comment and we're going to go back to ego because that's what this episode is about. It's okay to be proud of what you've accomplished as long as you don't purposefully use your accomplishments to overshadow others in an effort to make you feel superior. Believe it or not, the more you empower others and help them feel good, the less fear and insecurities you'll have about yourself. Why? Because when everyone around you feels good because of you, you'll be in the company of those who support you most. Now, do you think I'm being a little selfish by wanting you to feel empowered and feel good about yourself? You bet I am. After all, by you listening to this show, you empower me. I know it may sound silly, but I'm telling you, when you empower others, you empower yourself. So thank you for listening. That's right. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I thank those who subscribe to the newsletter. Ah, oh, there's some interesting ones in here. Stinga, Jean, Donna, Boshra, Natasha, Stephanie, and someone who chose the name A, and Joel, and Tomek, or Tomek, and uh, people who connected with me on Facebook, Dan, Susan, Michael, Christine, Greg, and Thais, Nicole, and Mario, and... Oyabanji, and I know I'm messing up some of these names, I apologize. And for the people who reached out to me with direct messages, T, Carol, Aaron, Simon, Sandy, Natasha, Boshra, Nidvia, Carl, Massey, who hosts the podcast, The Happiness Class, thanks to all of you. And those who subscribe to my channel on YouTube, Anna, Dan, and Omega Cam Studio. <laughs> and Lonnie on LinkedIn, and Lena and Tatiana on Pinterest, and... Wow, I didn't even know I had a Spreaker account. Uh, Juliana, she connected with me there. So thank all of you. Keep up with the show by heading over to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and sign up for your weekly personal growth message. Feel free to reach out to me through the contact link on that site as well. I want to thank the listeners who are using the Amazon link on the site to support the show. All you need to do is shop like you'd normally shop, but use the link theoverwhelmedbrain.com forward slash Amazon. There's a button on the site that you can click too. If you find this show valuable to you, just say thank you by using the Amazon link before you make your next purchase from them. The link takes you directly to Amazon and you purchase directly from them. Then Amazon thanks me for sending you their way. Your shopping habits are making a difference and they're going towards a good cause. You. If I didn't call your name in this episode, just know that I appreciate you and thank you for being there for me, listening, learning, and growing. Hey, I'm not one to disagree with the idea that letting go of your ego is good for you. In fact, the more you let go of your wants, needs, and desires, the more peaceful you'll feel. 
It's simple. Let go of your ego and you'll feel peaceful. But then what? If you are the type of person that is motivated internally and don't need ego to feed that motivation, then you're certainly evolved and I applaud you. But if you're like me and want to utilize what I think is the wonderful gift of ego, then learning to build it in a healthy way that benefits you and everyone around you is a path to enlightenment. After all, if you have developed just as much compassion as ego, then you are already at a balanced space within and outside of you. It's that balance of energies that keeps us grounded and always moving in a positive direction. Once the scale is tipped too far one way or the other, you start veering off course and you know where that ends up. So step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. When you do this, you'll discover what I already know to be true about you. That you are amazing. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.